If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Dominic Swantoski. I'm the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. So we have a fun conversation lined up for this episode about what's more difficult, nymphs or dry flies. This one comes from a frequent and friendly argument that I have had with many people. And I appreciate these interactions because I love hearing from different perspectives. On the Trout Bitten website, I've mentioned this a few times through the paragraphs of the articles. I've said that I believe nymph fishing is more difficult than dry fly fishing. Really, I think it's more difficult by a wide margin. So that's our topic for tonight. Is it more difficult? What is more difficult? We're going to work through what we think is tough about each tactic and talk about what are the harder skills to learn. Now, I think it's important to acknowledge right away that we aren't here to talk about which tactic is better. And this discussion is not even about which one we might like more. Those are, of course, different questions. But I've noticed in my conversations with people about this stuff that their bias for what they like or what they see as the best thing about fly fishing shades their opinions and clouds their objectivity about the real question. What is more difficult, fishing nymphs or fishing dry flies? Now, to kick off this discussion in a bit, you'll hear some comments that have come in from the website. And you'll notice, honestly, a tone of elitism that doing it this way is the true art of fly fishing, or that doing it another way is the pinnacle of the sport. And honestly, I don't have much time for that. And if you've been around trout pitting for long, then you already understand that elitism is a joke to us. We fly fish because it's effective and because we enjoy it. Simple as that. My friends here are some of the most open-minded anglers that I've ever met. They also fish hard. They fish every fly fishing style quite well, and they've taken those various skills to watersheds all over the country. So what is more difficult, nymphs or dries? Who cares, right? 
really, I mean, that's a fair response too. But I think this is a valuable exercise and a fun discussion, and here's why. Just because nymphing might usually produce more trout doesn't mean it is easier. When I say nymphing is tougher, I mean that getting a great or perfect drift on a nymph is simply harder. I don't care how many fish we catch on each style, that's not the point. Try getting true, convincing dead drifts on a nymph. It is, quite simply, harder to achieve than a dry fly because you cannot see success on the invisible flies underneath. And because the complexity of currents is far more intricate in three dimensions. But many people just don't take it that far with nymphing. And that's all right. They think their drifts are good enough because they have caught a few fish. And maybe they've caught more fish than they did on the dry flies. But excellent nymphing requires excellent effort. And a lot more trout can be caught by acknowledging that kind of difficulty. The ceiling is high. And realizing that is the value of this discussion. So my friends are here with me to talk this through, and I'm looking forward to it. Let me introduce to you my best fishing friends. This is the Trout Bitten Crew. Here's Trevor Smith. Hey, Trevor, how you doing? Good evening. I'm doing great. Sounding good? Sounding good. Hey, I had a bunch of really nice compliments on what your scientific perspective, let's say, added oh, to the, yeah. you know, really added to the two angler pressure episodes that we started this season with. So nice job. Well, I'm, thank you. I'm certainly happy to hear that because I enjoy... I like, I like learning things and I like looking things up and like talking about them. So yeah, win, win, win. Yeah. I thought having those studies and the research that you brought up along with someone, well, you who had processed all that and understood that research and then shared it with us, it added a lot of depth to our discussion. Mm. It was good. Thanks. Well done. Appreciate it. Well, just goes further than opinions, right? When you got a little bit of science, we, we acknowledge that not, you know, not all of the studies apply completely. Yeah. And I think that was kind of eye-opening for me and it continues to be in the in the realm of fishing is the anecdotal in medicine we sort of poo-poo mm. anecdotal evidence because there's oftentimes good studies and you don't want to follow one or two experiences too far when there's a body of evidence that speaks to a topic. Sure. Um, but in fishing there is a paucity or lack of great data in a lot of different areas. And so sometimes the quote unquote anecdotal evidence that we as fishermen can bring to the table um, is some of the best analysis and fodder for analysis that we have. And so I think it's one of the things that really enriches the conversations we're able to have with both our listeners and with each other, because everybody bringing their perspective to the table and sharing their own experiences really helps kind of flush out in an idea and a thought and let you toss it around in a little bit better environment than just your own head. For sure. That's kind of what we do every week here. <laughs> Absolutely. The yeah. meeting of the minds. <laughs> That's right. We have the four best minds of the trout the crew tonight. Trout fishing think tank. <laughs> think tank. Here's the, here's the next guy, Josh Darling. What's happening? Uh-huh. So Josh uh, <laughs> found me on the water today, <laughs> said, hey, I'm going to fish with you. Oh, you don't mind if I go up the left side of the island, do you? And then he proceeds to catch a whiskey, a 20-inch trout, right where, you know, I probably would have fished and caught that, nice. caught that trout, but of course it had to end up in his net. Yeah. That's what happened today. 
Did he make you take a picture of it then too to rub it in? <laughs> no, I pretended mm-hmm. like I didn't know he was even hooking a fish up there, and I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going up. If you would have caught it, I would have let it go before you could get a picture. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my thing. That's my thing. <laughs> How he rolls. You did have a nice afternoon, didn't you? It was, yeah. It wasn't what I what I expected. I decided kind of last second to take a half day off work and just mm-hmm. go out to the water. And I wasn't even planning on fishing that long. Then I saw you. I'm like, well, well. <laughs> Well, well, well. I guess we'll fish. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad. Uh, Josh and I realized that it's just been a really long time since we fished in the daylight together, especially, um, you know, without cameras in hand and trying to film something and whatever else. That was cool. It was way lower stress, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, just fishing. Just, just fishing. fishing. Um, you took some awesome pictures, though, of uh, of my dog, River. Yeah, River was out there. That was cool. It was yeah. cool to see him. I've I've not fished with him yet, so that was that was really neat to. And I mean, you could tell all the training that you guys have put in to him as well. That's cool. Well, so Josh uh, had River what for a week while we were at the beach, right? Like yeah, you guys boarded our dog, and so you definitely made friends with him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So he was extremely excited to see you again. And then I've never seen him do this, but he took off and he's like, "I'm going to go fish with Josh." Wow, that's <laughs> yeah, that was, instead that was cool. of me, he did. Oh, he'll cool. sometimes hang out with my dad for a little while, but he always kind of keeps me in sight. He'll kind of mm. go to a midpoint, and I was—I went really far down, pretty far down, hundred yards. Would you say maybe, Josh? Yeah, Cl- maybe more, to, honestly. Yeah, yeah, okay, maybe more. Uh, hundred yards, and I had him with me at first, but then when, once I w- worked back up to the islands, and you were even further up, all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah, I'm going up to hang out with Josh," and then I didn't see him for like forty-five minutes. It was good. We talked about you. <laughs> he's like man this guy catches bigger fish than Dominic. <laughs> yeah. you did take some really cool pictures and it made me realize just once again the difference of i don't know a, a real photographer with real camera gear and real knowledge of how to use it versus me with my uh cell phone recently and i'm like oh i got a nice picture of a river no you didn't <laughs> Here's i've, I've liked some picture. of the stuff you're taking but i appreciate it yeah but imagine if i had you know your knowledge in uh in in the gear too yeah makes a difference anyway Thank he's you. all tired he's outside of my door i could hear him scratch and he wants in <laughs> i'm gonna let him <laughs> in here, into the studio here in a minute anyway that was fun buddy yeah that was fun so we have Bill Dell with us tonight as well. Delhi, you took a week off. You were on a fishing bender, huh? Yeah, 12 days. Was, 12 day was, fishing bender. Wow. Good for you, man. A couple couple God days, but yeah, on the water good for fish 12 too. days. Yeah, a couple good highlight reel. Yeah. yeah. Some, some dry fly action, which is awesome. Extra I cool. That. Hmm. You're telling us about the dries, and I didn't ask you, was that mostly caddis activity or was it Hendrickson? Yeah. It was caddis and then uh, blue quills. Mm-hmm. Cool. In like a 16 blue quill. Uh, 18, I fished an 18 or a 20. Oh, there were, well, there was a size 16. On the river you were on, there was like a size 16 blue quill on there. They're probably yeah. in multiple sizes. Because, uh, I don't know, about a week ago, I got into that hatch. For about a half hour, I had some risers, and I thought it was going to be a granum. And I'm like, no, nah, because they were just kind of sipping it. And then I thought it would be the Hendrickson. But that one was too big, <laughs> so it took me a yeah. couple of fly changes. And whatever, I got the size right, and I caught a few fish. In the afternoon, nice. there were some fish that were eating caddis and some fish that were eating the quills. And so it was like a it's a little bit of a guessing game, but it was a fun guessing game. It is. I hear you. Hmm. Deli, you have anything we missed? Do you have, have anything you want to talk about that we missed on the uh, um, angler pressure, what it does to the fishing? 
Yeah, I would just, I don't know. I'll say tactics to help with that. Um, one thing I always do is if I know river's pressured, I'll focus on structure. Mm-hmm. Because if the if fish are pressured, they're going to move to structure and try to hide. And so when I fish structure, like I will be on it. Like, you know, the the tail of the stream, the marabou of the streamer is hitting the log. Or, you know, the the nymph is landing, you know, an inch or closer to the log and it's mm. coming along it because yeah, it seems to, if those fish are getting pushed into there, I've noticed that I'll catch more fish. If I focus on places like that, instead of like the wide open, that absolutely makes yeah. sense. It's kind of the same idea as walking where people won't go, just cast where people won't cast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, and if exactly. they're going to be jammed up against that structure, there's only one way to meet them. Yeah. Yep. We said it's rare that they're going to move uh, even a foot for your flies. Quite often it's a lot less than that. So that makes sense. Yeah. That's a cool point. As I was editing it back, what struck me the most, what really stood out is when, I think it was you, Deli, on the first one, where you said that it's low water as much as angler pressure. When I, I've been saying, like, I'm, I think they're getting pickier. I think they're getting pickier. In the last couple of years, they're getting pickier. Well, in the last couple of years, we've had some low water conditions yeah. very frequently. And you mm-hmm. said, too, we haven't had the high, uh, high rain events, high water events that have kind of you know, blown things reset. out and reset the fish. And when you were talking about that, I was like, huh, I, I think that's it. Probably just as much as that angler pressure. Hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I try to do to like to, I guess, to avoid pressure is if, if I have the ability to fish, let's say five or six rivers. Yeah. I look for the one that's going to be the most challenging to wade. Yeah. Because that'll hopefully reduce some of the pressure. Oh, right on. Yeah. Cause other people won't, you mean? Yeah. I wanted to say I was out mm-hmm. fishing Saturday morning and didn't see a lot of people, but the one person I did see, I saw him coming down towards me down the river. And when he caught sight of me, he kind of turned around and didn't see him for a little bit. He popped in the water about three or 400 yards above me yeah. um, and fished. And as I made my way up through the morning and got within maybe a couple hundred yards of his spot, he he popped out and then walked down and around way down below me and started fishing from the bottom. And it was just kind of cool. I felt like he handled the our positioning in the river really well. Mm-hmm. As I saw him do all this, it made me think, that's got to be a trout bitten listener right there. <laughs> uh, because he just seemed to have on the mi- on his mind, you know, being yeah, courteous to the you. fact. Yeah. yeah, the fact that I'd been there. First, he gave me a lot of space and it just was easy to fish around each other because we were both kind of respecting each other's positioning. And you never talked, huh? Never talked, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And I like him all the more for it. <laughs> I, uh, exactly. I, had, I had the opposite, I had the opposite experience. Oh, um, no. I was, I was standing in a hole and I caught a fish and the guy was staring at me. Yeah. And then he slowly waded yeah. towards me <laughs> oh my and just kept coming in and i was like all right and i just started walking away and then like i walked down river and found a couple other risers and looked around and he was standing in the exact same place i caught that fish when he of was course. looking at me well it was all about where you were standing right yep that's the only thing that mattered yeah well, we've <laughs> talked yeah exactly we've talked about that though wherever where people come from the waters that they experience that's gonna set their expectations and he probably just believed oh there's more fish in that spot i bet you yeah mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he waded through the best spot yeah, of, bro. <laughs> of that, of that area. Like I was, try, I was going to fish where he was wading through and yeah. I hear that. 
anyway. Ugh. All right. Good stuff. Hey, I get a lot of questions coming in, and I feel bad because we don't answer all of them on the podcast or even, even close, anywhere close to that. But I do answer everything personally, even if we don't use it here. So to those who submit questions, thank you very much. It's your questions that often lead us into the next topic. And such is the case tonight. We're going to talk about nymphs versus dries and which skill is harder in a moment. But along those same lines, I'd like to use a couple questions that I received a while ago. This was last fall when both these questions came in. And uh, guys, maybe we can help answer this first one. Imagine if someone put as much time, thought, and effort into designing fishing apparel as you put into finding fish. Well, someone did. Squala fly fishing builds waders, jackets, shirts, and pants so well-designed, dependable, and comfortable, you hardly notice them. When you're wearing squala, you're never hot or wet or unreasonably cold, so you can focus on more important things, like fishing. They don't make gear for everybody. They make gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squalafishing.com. Then use the code TROUTBITTEN10, that's the number 10, for 10% off your first order from Squala. As fly anglers and tires, we understand the value of having the right tool for the job. Avidmax.com offers over 20,000 products and the knowledge to help you find the right tool for your job, whether that be at the tying bench or on the water. Listeners of the Trout Pitten Podcast receive a special one-time discount code at avidmax.com. Enter the code TB10 at checkout on full-priced items to save 10% off your order. Orders over $25 ship for free, so you can put more gas in your tank or beer in your cooler. For all things fly fishing and tying, elevate your game with Avidmax. Does somebody want to read this? Volunteers? Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm on <laughs> okay, it. Okay, thanks. Trevor's got it. This one is from Allison St. Amant through the contact form on the website. And Allison says, Hello, Dominic. Thanks for the trout bitten lifestyle. And that's what it has become for me. I've been fishing since childhood in many different ways. But in the last five years or so, my focus has shifted to fly fishing almost exclusively. That shift has been inspired by trout bitten and some other books and authors. The fact is, I never realized how much there is to being a complete trout angler until I started fly fishing a lot. Now to my question. I have friends who primarily spin fish. Some of them have tried to join me in learning the fly style, but they always struggle. Why do you think this is such a big step for people? And do you have any advice to make it easier? Mm. What do you think, guys? The first thing that comes to mind is that a lot of times when you're spin fishing, you're coming from a place of practicing in still water. And so that dealing with currents and seams and, and everything that happens in a river is very different. The other main thing that I can think of is, is you almost never have to use your hands to deal with any line in spin fishing. And so you've got a mechanism that does that work for you and you learn how to use it. And if you've never learned to, to keep tension on a line with a finger, then that's, that's, it's awkward for quite some time until you can figure out how to do that. And then the retrieval system obviously is very, very different between using the river to, to retrieve line and, and using your hand to strip line in or, or whatever method you want to use, that it's, it's so different. And so, I, I mean, it makes sense to me that, that there's a quite the learning curve that has to yeah. take place, yeah. Yeah. I would say learn to cast. Like, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing I see guiding and mm -hmm. learn how the rod loads 
Mm-hmm. If I had a dollar for every time I said pause on the back cast, mm-hmm. I might be yeah. able to retire now. Mm-hmm. It's like pause, pause, wait. Um, the other thing, just the exciting thing, I would take them, your friends, if there's any local rivers that get really good hatches, like a sulfur hatch or a caddis hatch, like that, that's what hooked mm, me yeah. and like forced me to kind of learn and was like, oh, this is really cool because in the spin fishing kind of realm, you don't really run into that a whole lot where if you're out right. there with a caddis hatch or a sulfur hatch or something, you know, a great hatch in your area, just experiencing that and seeing the fish feed and stuff, it makes you problem solve and makes you want to come back and try and do new things. Yeah. I'm going to make the assumption because she's following trout bitten and she's talking about fly fishing that she's fishing for trout. And I would say that maybe, especially with a fly rod, uh, maybe what's very different is that you're trying to get dead drifts all of a sudden. Yeah. Trying to get a dead drift on a dry fly, dead drift on a nymph. And both of those are smaller food forms than what you're representing with whatever you have on the end of that spinning rod. Usually you're taking bait or a lure and you're coming across currents, and you, nobody talks about a dead drift. Rarely do you talk about a true dead drift, that kind of style. Hmm. Which could be a good reason to get people in with the streamer game instead. I mean, if yeah, they already understand exactly. how mm-hmm. a bait fish or, or something that will catch a trout moves across seams, like if they've had any success with spin fishing, then they understand the way that something moving through seams should act to nice. be successful. And so then, and then what that does is allows them to learn how to use a fly rod and how to use their hands to manage line and how to handle currents and yeah. and still be able to do something that they are comfortable with, which is move something across currents. Yeah. And what you're saying and what Bill's saying is it, you just can't skip it. And so my advice to Allison is that you you can't let your friends skip it. They have to learn that line maintenance with the, with the line hand. And like Bill's saying, you just have to be able to cast. It's your basic cast. Well, when I'm guiding, like I won't let people kind of take the easy way out. I won't just throw a bobber on there and let, let them start lobbing weights around or whatever the case may be. Or if, they, if we do start with streamers, I still want them to cast, and the streamers have weight, I still want them to cast, to learn to cast, because that is the significant difference. It's the cast. It's the casting. So it doesn't have to be all that hard. Every, anybody who is, that I've ever seen want to learn to fly fish, they can learn to cast, but they, you can't give up on it. All right, here's another question, and this one comes from Lucas by way of Instagram. You want to do it, Trevor? Sure. Dom, here's a question for the crew. I thought this might be interesting. What thing in fly fishing has given you the most trouble? Could be a knot, a tactic, or something about fly tying or whatever. Thanks for the podcast. All right. Instagram questions are always shorter. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny to me because questions come in like uh, three or four different venues let's say and and they're just they're very characteristic of wherever they come from nice even the casualness or the formality Mm -hmm. i would i would say uh when i first started blood knots i felt like Mm -hmm. they took me like five minutes to tie one of them you know the first couple years they were just painful Mm -hmm. um the other one is leaky waders (laughs) (laughs) today was a bad experience too many yeah. scissor kicks out there today <laughs> yeah, like another <laughs> another set yeah another <laughs> another one bites the dust unreal I, I learned blood knots pretty quickly 
Um, and I learned to do blood knots in like 4X and 5X. It, I don't know. I just, I was pretty mm-hmm. able to do it pretty quickly. But the knot that really gave me a lot of trouble was a nail knot. I still don't like to do a nail no. knot and yeah. I don't find cool. much use for them anymore because we have those welded loops at the end of our fly line. Yeah. Uh, but man, nail knots. Gosh, I was like. They're, they're still tough for me. Yeah, I still don't like them. I just wouldn't do it on the stream. I was like, I'm not doing these, I'm not even trying on the stream anymore. So yeah. I made my rig uh, adjustable so that I wouldn't have to. And every time I'd have to, you know, you get a new fly line, you really want to change out whatever it is. No, yeah. here comes another nail knot. And it would always take me a few tries, it seems, at least a few tries. And then every time I'd be like, oh, no, I just lost another inch or two of my fly line. <laughs> and there's another one, you know, because you're yeah. chopping it off and trying again. Yeah. Everything's always been easy to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, That's the, 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 just kidding. Yeah. The, We're just the natural. Kidding. Yep. Me and Josh These, are just the naturals. Yeah. yeah what's, what's it like? Came, you know, came easy to for us. life to come so easily. Mm. <laughs> to be the smartest guy in the room all the time. I think in tying flies. Okay. I would say tying. Like I enjoy tying flies, but in tying flies, being efficient with my thread wraps was not. It's uh, something that I've had to keep working at especially when it comes to lighter flies and dry flies and so that's something that i still would not consider myself very good at i appreciate the forgiveness of most nymphs and streamers where you can be a little bit less efficient with thread but i certainly struggle with tying smaller dry flies do you crowd the head that was a big thing for me Mm, yeah crowd the head real bad for sure yep 100 percent. that'll get away from you on any night You know, any yeah. night of tying. Absolutely. Even 30 years later, whatever it is now, I'm like, oh, sure. no. I'm, I'm crowding crowd <laughs> the eye. 30 beers again. later? Did you say 30, 30 beers later? <laughs> 30 beers later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that does get difficult. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, I can't even see it. I felt that a lot <laughs> with with deer hair. And for years, I could kind of get, get away with it because I'm like, not very many flies that I tie. Do I need to be really good at managing deer hair and not yeah. crowding the eye with deer hair? And then, and then once I got into night fishing, I'm like, oh, I really have to learn how to do this because this is a huge part of this for me. A huge part of success is tying good deer hair flies. Yeah, and uh, yeah, but that that was that was a hard one for me to learn. I still it don't feel hard. very good at it. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, let's get to it. What's more difficult, fishing nymphs or fishing dry flies? I already made it clear in my writings and this evening. That personally, I think good nymphing is more challenging than fishing dry flies. Again, I like dry fly fishing just as much and sometimes more than fishing nymphs, but that's not the point. What we like is not the point. What is more challenging? That's the question. Also, when people think nymphing is easier, I think it's usually because they catch more trout on nymphs, but that doesn't make it easier. That just means trout eat nymphs far more often than they eat on the surface. You guys know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I see what you're saying. I think that that helps frame the conversation for me because if we're looking at if we're deciding what is easier based on fish catching, yeah, that's a different metric or right, you know, conversation than it is like how. And I, when I heard you kind of in the intro talking about how how much more difficult it is to get a pure dead drift and to be able to do that in a repeatable fashion. I remember back to starting to get into nymph fishing and really, you know, kind of watching 
folks that have more experience and, and watching you even on the river deal with some of the conditions that are thrown at you on a given morning or day and mm -hmm. be able to get pure dead drifts through a variety of conditions. And it, it immediately became apparent to me how far I had to go to get to that point. Um, and, and it just kind of gave me a new respect, I think, for the layers of learning of getting better and better at the art of, of the dead drift. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I'm not taking a side yet. I'm just, I'm still analyzing. Oh, I'm, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, it's, I think coming into the conversation, my, my point of view was it's a lot easier to catch fish on a nymph because like you said, they're eating nymphs more often mm -hmm. and your chances of success are greater. Mm -hmm. um, but when you start talking about which is easier to get a good dead drift on, which is easier to monitor, what's the entry point for each, I do think it starts to change that discussion quite a bit. It does, yeah. Well, what you said, when you are dry fly fishing, it's the only version of fly fishing where everything that's happening on your end is visible. You can see mm -hmm. it all. Yeah. And it's the only version of, of fly fishing that's like that. The only difference is that almost always you have to learn line man mending, you know, fly line management. Sure. And if you're nymphing and you're learning to Euro nymph, tight line nymph, then there's a lot of things that you don't have to learn because of that. Now you still have to learn casting and you still have to learn a yeah. steady hand and understanding how deep you are mm -hmm. and understanding how to keep it smooth and everything. But you don't have to learn how to mend line at all if you if you don't want to. And if you're fishing, you know, if you're fishing a hatch and fishing dry flies, the fish is given away its location. You there know you where to cast the catch. Good the, you you, That's a good you know to cat. You know where the fish is, and you know where to cast to it. Nymphing, after experience, you know where the fish should be, but you don't know if there's definitely a fish there or somebody walked by and spooked it 15 minutes before. Like with a when you're fishing dries and you're fishing to risers, it's obvious where you need to put the fly. It's almost like an easy button. Yeah, it takes a lot of that guessing away. That's something I hadn't even thought about. Because I prospect with dries quite a bit too. That's I've told you that's something I do kind of all summer long is just prospecting with dries. But yeah, when they, that's another element. That's a good point. When obviously they're giving away their location. I said it takes away that guessing. For me, again, even if I don't see risers, but I have my dry fly on the surface, well, now I don't have to guess, is this a good drift or not? I could see it. And we all pretty point. quickly can yeah. can realize, we all pretty quickly uh, come to realize, like, oh, that's a, that's drag. Wow, that's really a lot of drag. And this it doesn't have to be creating a big wake across the surface for us to realize, well, that's gone slightly faster than the bubbles. Or something I've been pointing out to my, my clients lately is if you, go to, if you get to the end of your drifter, you're ready to pick up. And if as soon as you move that rod tip to start to pick up, that fly moves, well, then you were already under tension and that dry fly mm -hmm. was dragging, just like Good I told point. you it was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people will often say, I don't think it was dragging. I'm like, well, just as soon as you picked it up, it was under tension. If it's under tension, it's dragging. Something's affecting it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Right. And anyway, I'm just saying you can see it. And that's what it always is going to, throughout this discussion, I'll keep bringing that up. Because you can see success. I just find that to be so much easier. Um, there's it, a lot of the guesswork is eliminated. And like you're saying, Bill, then if they're rising, you really know where the fish are. You don't, you, that guesswork is eliminated yeah. too. I still think there's a valid argument to be made that because trout eat underwater the mm -hmm. majority of the time, 
that it's an easier way to fish for them rather than waiting for these random hatches throughout the year or kind of trying to target different terrestrials that may be out. Um, if you go to the river any given day, and even if you don't have a high level of skill in dry fly fishing or nymph fishing, it's easier to fish nymphs if you want to catch fish, you know? And so I think that, I think that there's a valid argument to be made there by I'm sure many listeners as they're listening to it right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really neat you're pointing that out. I feel like I've had this discussion 50 times with people. We'll talk about it when we're on the river. I remember talking about it with my uncle and, and when I was really young. And many times I've had this argument, again, friendly argument. And that's that's the thing, Trevor, like you're kind of defining the terms there. It's like, we're mm. not, are we talking about what's easier to catch fish with? I would agree. I think right. it's easier to catch fish with nymphs. But right. to get great drifts, to achieve, you know, that perfect drift and and say, wow, I've really accomplished this skill, I think the nymphing is a lot harder. Bill, you have something. You're itching. Yeah, I guess, I guess I'm asking for a question here. So mm-hmm. when we talk about dry fly fishing versus nymph fishing, are we talking about the act of casting and presenting it to a fish? Or are we, I guess... I think you that is. What I, mean? what like, we're ta- I think we're talking about the art, the the art of that form of fishing. Basically, like, is it easier to be a great caster of a dry fly and presenter of a dry fly, or is it easier to be a great presenter caster of a nymph? Well, okay, all right, B- agreed. And uh, to me, there's casting. Well, you're saying presenting too. Cast is yeah. one thing, then drift is another thing. But okay, right. we're we're talking about the full presentation. Yes, the full presentation. Right, and then we're all. I would uh, my terms. That's how I'm setting it up. <laughs> is that we're saying like really achieving that, like a great drift. Wow, that's a great near perfect. Maybe it is the perfect drift. I think it's harder, a lot harder, on nymphs. But yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But it, and I think achieving that. I think you. I'm going to argue that maybe that's the wrong mm-hmm. uh, metric to be focused on because mm-hmm. it's all is is it or is it not all about the fish. I mean, is it all about no. catching fish or is it all about? No, it's neither. Is it all about catching fish or is it all about what? Presentation? Yeah, right. Shouldn't the ultimate judge be the fish, right? Uh-huh. Okay, so my response to that. So you, you might very well catch more on nymphs right away. You go to nymphs, you go, wow, this is so much easier. But here, my point for this argument in the first place is that then you realize wow, I could make that drift a heck of a lot better. Wow, I'm crossing seams. Wow, if I really, with that nymph, stayed in one seam, oh, wow, now I'm catching 10 more in a day. And then you go, oh, wow. Yeah, and there are more fish to be caught. You know, maybe I should not touch the bottom so much. Maybe I should just be gliding through that strike zone. Ah, now I got 10 more fish in a day. And so it might be easier at first. Then you realize that you can really, I don't know, you can improve it. So it isn't just about the catch of the fish, Trevor, because I, I, my answer is one leads to the other. Focusing on the presentation and realizing that you can perfect that or get close to it then leads you to catching more fish and then the next whatever, whatever happens after that. Yeah, I like that. So you're saying it's like easier to taste success with nymphing, but it's Ooh, easier to reach mastery with dry with, flies. With dry flies. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Uh, mastery is a tough word. But I know where you're going with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess like the it, entry point is lower with nymphing, but the pinnacle mm, or the ceiling is higher. I do right? think that's, yeah, I totally agree with that. Bill, we keep interrupting you. Yeah. The, uh, 
I think it depends on the river. Mm-hmm. Because if you went to a glass river, like that was all, you know, let's say it was all, you know, barely had any surface disturbance. Oh, gotcha. At, yeah. that, at that point, you know, it's all glass water. At that point, it's probably going to be easier to catch fish on dries uh-huh. versus tri- versus nymphing. And so I think a lot of, you know, try to see it through whosoever eyes is trying to say it like, okay, where do you fish? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we fish an area with tons of broken water. And so, you know, it's going to be harder to catch a fish on a dry fly. And let's, you know, let's exaggerate and say a class one rapid. And it would be really hard to catch a fish nymphing, you know, in a, a hundred yard glass, yeah, you know, no surface disturbance pool. And yeah. so I, I think they, you know, you can kind of go back and forth and argue either point based on where you fish, probably. Right on. That's what it comes back to so many times. We said that earlier, right? It's people's experiences, and then they're going to have that bias. Tactical Fly Fisher was founded by Fly Fishing Team USA angler Devin Olson to bring anglers cutting-edge gear and techniques from the international competitive fly fishing scene. Tactical Fly Fisher's aim is to help you improve your angling ability so you can have more fun on the water. Whether you need some flies, fly tying equipment, or a new rod or reel, they've got you covered. Head on over to tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TBPOD10, that's T-B-P-O-D-1-0, to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. For over a decade, Smith Creek has provided innovative, high-quality fly fishing accessories designed to put your gear in easy reach, free up your hands, and keep our waters clean. For 2023, check out the all-new patented tippet holder. Each unit is individually machined from billet aluminum and anodized in two eye-catching colors. They hold up to five tippet spools with a spring-loaded plunger that is quick and easy to use, keeping your tippet spools right where you need them. Also, the brand-new Rod Clip Plus comes with an improved 304 steel pin plus a carabiner clip, giving you two ways to attach it. All Smith Creek products are built guide tough and backed by solid customer service. To learn more about Smith Creek products, visit their website at smithcreek.co. So that kind of leads me into this. I I feel like I know the argument very well from the other side. And because, again, I've heard it a lot. And because I know guys like you who, like, really think things through and have, I think, good opinions. And I've thought it through, and I've experienced it. Now, that said, here's a recent comment from the website, and I've left the commenter's name out. Let me read this here. There are multiple levels of complexity to dry fly fishing and casting, and at the upper end of the scale that are way more challenging than nymphing, and mostly this occurs on pressured water. Casting an ant on a mountain stream or lake in August is pretty easy and can be very effective, but pressured water, and specifically gold metal water, is entirely different. I'm thinking of the ranch section of the Henry's Fork or Silver Creek. Both will push the skills of an excellent fly caster to their limits. Add in the challenges of fly selection, casting a 12-foot leader and playing a monster rainbow on 6X, and the skill level goes far beyond what's required to be a good tight line nympher. In my world, dry fly fishing is the pinnacle. If the hatch isn't happening, I prefer to swing wet flies, strip streamers, or nymph as a last resort. That's the comment. And he loses me on the last, the last thing he says there, because <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden it's clear he's like, 
he's got this hierarchy based on value, a value system that he thinks go. everyone should share. Yeah, um, is this which Mas- is this like part it. of Maslow's stuff that we talked about last that you guys <laughs> yeah, talked right, about last right. week? <laughs> hierarchy <laughs> yeah. of needs. Yeah. Wow. I, again, I think like it is so easy for this conversation, and it's doing it mm-hmm. in my own head constantly to to mm-hmm. f- fall away from the standards that we're setting for it, which I think is where all the a lot of the debate and discussion really is happening in all of our conversations so far, mm-hmm. and even in this, you know, like. He's nowhere in that comment is he really saying anything different than what we're saying, but he isn't acknowledging the complexity that that nymphing requires. To, I mean, he's, he calls it a good nympher, and he's putting that up against the skill that it re- is required to cast a 12-foot leader and play a monster rainbow on 6x tippet. Well, what about mm. playing a monster rainbow on 6x tippet that you nymphed in exactly. complex pocket water? You know, that... Yeah. And did it with a pair of size 16 flies, you know. Yeah. So I think he's underestimating the complexity of nymphing because I don't think he understands the complexity of nymphing. So he doesn't mm-hmm. know what's to be attained there, um, mm-hmm. probably because he's not a very good nymph fisherman. Um, I don't think he's done it. It would be my guess, or you know, based on our standards versus his standards. Um, Bill? I would say he it's like any hobby or anything you get into. You think, oh, you know, golf. I just got to hit the ball to the hole. And (laughs) then you start to play golf and you're like, oh, wait a minute. There's this, there's this, you know, there's there's so many. Anything is an onion. Until you start to break into it, you're not going to know the complexities. And so unless you've spent a decade doing multiple you know one thing and the other Mm -hmm. i think it comes down to a lot of times people it's what they're comfortable with they're going to tell you you know they're going to sell what they do because then if they sell if they sell to you what they do then they made the right decision to do that Mm. that's good good way of putting it you said there bill that you don't think he really nymphs you know he doesn't he's not good at it I think he pretty much says that at the end. He swings, wet flies, strips, streamers, or nymphs as a last resort. If it's your last resort, you probably don't like it, and I would assume that you haven't spent very much time doing it. And so, like you're saying there, Bill, you can't really make the fair comparison. You don't really have an educated opinion in fairness. The other thing that he's doing is he's talking about difficult water, and he's saying that that Mm. because it's difficult water, like he didn't list anything that, that makes dry fly fishing more difficult than nymphing. No, on I don't those think stretches. So He's just talking about fish that are difficult to catch. Yeah. And, and he's saying that it's really hard to get a fish that's difficult to catch to take a dry fly. Well, it's just as hard to get a fish that's difficult to catch to take a nymph if they're eating nymphs and if they're eating dry flies. Right if we on. take that factor out right. of it. Yes. Then, then remember, you're supposed to catch a lot more on nymphs. <laughs> you right. Know? So for every what, then we used to joke around like one, one fish on a dry fly is like five on a nymph. You know. Yeah. 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 As far as like the act of doing each of them, like dry fly. If you want to fish dry flies, I feel like you have to have some line management skills to be able oh, yeah. to do to, to to dry fly fish where. Nymphing, I don't, I, I think you can tight line and you can literally just, you know, roll cast. And if you're fishing pocket water and stuff, you don't have to learn line management. Yeah, you can, you can nymph you with can, one hand. You can tight line yeah. nymph with one hand. Heck, you can, yeah, you can nymph anyway with one hand. If you stay yeah. close enough. That said, you could do that with dry flies. 
That's why Tenkara is the best version of fishing there is. There you go. Yes. You're such an elitist. He's a Tenkara elitist. Yes. He's so, he's so elite, he doesn't even need a reel. No. Nope. Nope. Why would you bother with a reel? But um, on, the, on the nymph side of things, I feel like someone starting out, nymphing could be the most frustrating because if you don't know line management and you yeah. don't know how to judge depths and you're constantly hanging up, it's going to be the most frustrating for you. Sure. There were a lot of challenges to both styles, for sure. Do you guys think that fishermen that are more likely to drift versus wade might have an inherent bias towards one form? I mean, I just think my impression of a lot of the Western fishing that's available is that there's a lot of drifting that's necessary to fish certain stretches. And because of that, there's a lot of emphasis on dry fly fishing because of the way that that really is enabled in on a boat. I like that. I have some thoughts on that. I hadn't considered it before, Trevor. I like this. Uh, from a boat, dry fly fishing is almost, you know, it's a perfect tactic. Streamers mm-hmm. is also a great tactic, perhaps right. perfect tactic for, for float fishing. If you want to nymph from a boat, I think it's best done with an indicator. Mm-hmm. And when we, we've all done this together and I'll often throw an indie on. Now I like throwing an indie and what I do is I take tight line principles over to the indie a lot like you guys do. Even when I'm throwing a nine foot leader and I'm using fly line and mending, which I do quite a bit from the boat rather than using a tight line rig, mono rig, uh, I'm still using what I, I think of as tight line principles under the water. Okay. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we've kind of done that before. Right, right. I guess my point is, I think the complex things about nymphing come in, really, the style of nymphing, of tight lining. I, I think that tight lining introduces all of that contact and control that we've talked about so much, and I write about a ton. And when you realize you have all of that control with, to, the, to the nymph and control over the, the entire course of the nymph itself down there, then you realize how complex everything is. Yeah. And until then, and maybe if you're just drifting down a, ri- a big river in a boat and you're throwing your indicator out there and the guy on the oars is just trying to, you know, keep even with the speed of the indie, then this seems pretty easy. Hey, this yeah. is great. And, and things line up pretty quickly and everything's in one scene, but you don't even think about that. Maybe the guy on the oars is. You're just getting these nice long drifts and all of a sudden yep. bobber down and there you go. Right. And you go, well, that's a lot easier than this This dry fly thing that I need to get these real precise casts and now he's telling yep. me to yeah. mend and all this other stuff. Yep. Not that there wouldn't be any mending otherwise, but you get it. I think you yep. guys get my point. I think that it's the tight lining that really introduces that complexity. Yeah, it's a good point. Which is not easily done from a boat or very effectively at all until you Correct. anchor up. I think Absolutely. tight lining is not very well done from a boat. No, it's not ideal. Mm-mm. It's not a good match. Even in the north, the northeast, like the Delaware River system, there's not, it's the same thing. It's a lot of dry fly fishing. Nymphing is mostly bobber from a boat. Yeah. A, a decent amount. And so that's a good point. Something to think about. Yeah. Because you're just, you know, at that point, they, it, it comes back to like what you've seen and what you've experienced. And unless you've experienced, you know, tight lining pocket water you may not realize how difficult it is to adjust depth and speed and angles and all that stuff that comes along with it versus just plop the dry fly on the top of the water right and just plopping it on the top of the water is the start of it (laughs) for the dry flies like you're saying but 
you know, you're trying to get S-curves and build in accuracy with slack. And then once it's on the water with the dries, you're trying to mend and uh, deal with cross currents and whatever. They each have their own complexity. But once again, you can see success on the top. When that nymph yeah. disappears underneath, now you have three dimensions, as Trevor has said so many times, a three-dimensional world under there. And you can't even see it. <laughs> the only current you can see is the surface current. You can guess about what's happening underneath. Now you can't or you can rarely see your nymph underneath. And the whole thing becomes a guessing game. And that's why we like to have a cider built in and all these things that we talk about that really do, well, complicate nymphing, but in a good way because then it leads us to better success. I think, uh, yeah, it takes a while to kind of understand all that and to see mm. all the angles and, and the possibilities. Yeah. yeah. One other thing in, in talking about the boat made me think of this mm. is that especially where we are, when you are tightline nymphing, you have to put a lot of consideration into your positioning and where you're standing. And I'm and I'm not saying that there's not an ideal position to be when you're dry fly fishing, because there certainly is. Like you still want to take those principles into into consideration, but they're less of a big deal, mm-hmm. especially because of the cast and the way that you can throw S curves into the line, and because of the way that you can. Uh, mend your line to manage mm-hmm. slack without having to be in the exact right position. Where sure. if you're tight lining, then you have to be in just the right position to be able to use your rod to keep the line off the water and keep it in the same seam and mm-hmm. get the cast into the right spot without hitting all the branches that are around you. And so there's yeah, a lot more thought that I has to go I'll... into your positioning in tight line nymphing, especially where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think dry fly is the same though. Like I experienced, you know, my elitist days in the last couple of days, I've had some good dry fly action. Hmm. I, I felt like I was the same. Like if I was having trouble catching fish or getting a fish to eat, I felt like me changing the angle, like you're talking about, even presenting the fly, like changing it, presenting it at a 45 instead of directly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. lining the fish and stuff like that. I feel like the same complexities come into play with, with dry fly fishing too, because you still have, like, if you've got the branch, you still have to cast around it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing with nymphing, with nymphing, you can overweight your system. Okay. And you can force it to be in that seam where dry fly, you're reliant on your casting, your mending and all of that. You can't, there's no way to overweight a dry fly to keep it in that seam. It's on you and your casting ability. I definitely understand what you're saying. um, Like I said, I think that there is certainly an ideal situation for both. But I think that you can work your way around it with a dry fly more easily than you can when you're nymphing. Because you're dealing with two dimensions and not three. If nothing else, fishing a dry fly with a fly line certainly expands your range. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it expands your effective range. I should put it that way. I agree. And if you've got a fish downstream of you, that's like, oh, all of a sudden he's feeding. Mm. I can yeah, still yeah. reach him. I can put a a drag free drift to that fish, yeah. and still cut. If if that happens, you know, if I'm if all of a sudden I want to cast down below me, nymphing, you can't you can't do that with a tight line effectively right without moving you saw, back down. You saw me doing that at the, at the end of the day today. I did. Yeah, I was fishing down below me and. I, yeah, I couldn't have got an effective uh, nymph drifts that way. No matter what my how my rig would have been built, mm-mm, I wouldn't have gotten effective drifts. But I was getting nice, I don't know, 20, 15, 20-foot 20 dead drifts on that dry. <laughs> they didn't need it there. But like you're saying, Bill, there's definitely an ideal like 
there's definitely a, a best yeah. version. And I'm with you too, Bill. I would much prefer to be in that perfect angle. Yeah. And then yet, my I do feel like the range is somewhat expanded. But yeah. but people take it to crazy lengths. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about 80-foot casts and things like that in a trout river, mm, I'm not saying it's not possible. Of course it is. It's kind of lazy. <laughs> well, there are places certainly where you cannot sure. wade to. And like, I get it. But I would prefer not to throw an 80-foot cast and a, my beautiful reach man and everything because I don't care how you set it up. When the fish eats, okay, you're not going to have a very good hook set on those fish that are 80 feet away. You know, you got a lot of, of line to get tight right there. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather find the fish that's 20 or 40 feet away. And if, if they're not there, then I'll tip my cap and, and go upstream or downstream. And yeah, then again, there are going to be a few times a year where I don't know about 80 feet, but I'm going to, you know, we're all going to be challenged to make those extra long casts. And I feel like each one of us here can do that. But I'm like, Bill, I'd rather be in the best position. And I'm, I'll be pretty stubborn about wading into that best position, just like I do with nymphs. Yeah. I feel like I almost need to remind us that we're not talking about which one's better, you know, just because it's so easy for this conversation to turn into that. You can't get regard, off of that, right? can you? you? can't. <laughs> I, I can't. Because I just, I mean, it, I just think, and I also think in putting myself in the shoes of anyone listening, I think it's just really difficult to divorce the idea that there's one that's better than the other because there's this in in every statement you hear all the comments you hear there's always a value judgment placed on it you know Hmm. and that one is the pinnacle one is the one's the best one's the better way to do this or the better way to do that and i think what we're we're talking about so far is that it is very situational and we may choose one tool or another but um that's interesting because i let it go I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not thinking like which one's better. I'm thinking about technically which one's I think know, that's, more difficult. And we're, right. we're talking through the difficulties of both. And maybe our listeners are unique in the world of fly fishing. I think maybe they <laughs> I are. Don't. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I think like we all, what, one thing that we all share in common is that we're, we're using the monorig system because we think it's the most effective tool to catch fish, right? And the most Sometimes. versatile tool. And there's times that we change that and fish with, with fly line. But I think that I don't think many of us would choose to fish a tactic that was less effective just because it had a value to us over a more effective tactic or, or you know, I'd, like, I don't know, except for Bill. I, 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 I did it today. <laughs> I, yeah. I was, I was, I was like, say well, the same. I was like, well, I, you know, dry fly and dry dropper has been pretty decent and yeah. nymphing was so-so. And so I switched over and I fished dry and dry dropper just because it, it's been good. And that nymphing for so long in the winter right. and not having good dry, like it just, it's, yeah, it's something new and fresh and exciting. I've been doing that a lot too, Bill, since the bugs have been out. And I told Josh this earlier, um, this season especially, not just for myself, but when I've been guiding, I've taken almost every chance that we've seen risers and just kind of convinced people like, hey, let's get away from the nymphing and let's go get those fish on top. I don't know anybody that goes, "Ah, I don't really like catching fish on on a dry fly. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure they're out there and that's that's fine too. But almost everybody is like, oh yeah, wow, they're eating eating that on top. I will say too, I, I do run into a lot of people who say, oh, I can't cast dries very well, but with just a little bit of tweaking, usually of the casting yeah. form, they have it. Let me read one more comment and we can talk about that. 
here's another recent comment from the website. And this person says, Dry fly fishing simply is the purest, most difficult version of the activity. It is one that demands the most skill and knowledge and should be what every fly fisherman strives to be good at. Much like fly fishing versus gear fishing, you never hear someone say, I used to primarily fish dries, but switched to Euronymphing for the challenge. Lobbing a bobber and split shot may be fly fishing, but it misses the essence of the sport. A 60-foot reach cast with an 18-inch, says inch, with an 18-foot leader on a river like the Missouri or Delaware is the ultimate challenge. What are your thoughts there? I warned you there was going to be elitism in this. It is a challenge. In this comments. It's it a challenge. A, it is a challenge. That is a challenge. I don't know that the, I'm always looking thing, for the, the ultimate challenge when I'm out there. The thing that stuck out to me is he says, I used to primarily fish. Uh, he says that nobody ever says, oh, I used to fish dries, but now I switched to nymphing for the challenge. Yeah, they do. I, I, I actually meet a lot of people that say, oh, man, I, I didn't think I could handle the nymphing, especially this tight line stuff. But, you know, I figured once I, uh, I, I, I grew up fishing dries or I've, I've been fishing dries for a while. Now I'm really kind of ready to get into this, all this intricate nymphing stuff. I hear that all the time. And that's kind of what I did. I definitely got into fly fishing through dries. And then I was like, I, now, now maybe I can handle nymphing. Me too. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's just the whole statement is laden with, with things that are provocative. <laughs> like, yeah, you get the, a lot of that. that. He's saying that this is what you should. You're right. This is what every fly fisherman should strive right. to be good at. I mean, right. that's a, just a, that is, you're making a lot of assumptions there and you're also applying your value system to everyone and saying that everyone, every single other fly fisherman needs to have my value system. Well, and that's yeah. just a really arrogant statement, whether you intend it to be or not. But you'll you'll get a lot of that if you tell it tell people one thing's better than any other thing. And right. it's not we're not right. saying it's better. No. But if as soon as you start to say this is harder, this is more difficult, that's all they hear is this is better, this is worse. Yeah. Yep. And it's it goes back to what you brought up, Trevor, which I'm glad you did in the beginning. Like the, hey, this is you know, you lay out the terms and realize the confusion mm-hmm. it immediately ensues. <sighs> <laughs> and so, and I really, yeah. I brought that up in the intro too, because I, yeah. like I said, I've gone through it a lot. Right, and you'll still get comments about. Oh yeah, in this from this podcast <laughs> from yeah. this podcast, there will be people who just look at the title or yeah. just li- listen yeah. to the intro and won't listen to anything else, perhaps, and they'll, right. then they'll, you know, they'll fire some comments off. Absolutely, and like and this last ta- one, yeah, they're talking about two the two river systems he's talked about. I've fished, right? I know, and they. And they are big and they're technical to catch fish on dries. Sure. Because they're both very highly pressured. But to read the water and to nymphish it, you know, have they tried to do that? Same thing. It it always comes back to like, yeah. Have you put yourself in the other person's shoes and tried to do it? Nice. Nice. If it's so easy, then show me how you do it so easily. Yeah. Whether it's after a fishing trip or at a backyard fire, you can bet the Trout Bitten crew has a case of New Trail Broken Heels along with us. It's honestly our favorite beer. This hazy IPA is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is a keeper. New Trail Beer is proudly brewed in Williamsport, Pennsylvania and delivered cold to your favorite craft beer retailer every week. At New Trail, it's not about being the best angler. It's about getting out there. So enjoy nature's moments and reward yourself for a day well fished with New Trail Broken Heels. 
It's Trout Bitten's favorite beer. And I think that's part of the difficulty here, right? Is that it is hard to compare when you've done it because the fish is not the measurement of whether you've done that excellent skill or not. You might, I mean, my best cast in my entire life might happen to a piece of dead water where there wasn't a fish. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm, if you know, as an excellent nymph fisherman, I might get the perfect cast through the wind, drop it into a seam that was really hard to get to, perfectly drift it through a couple complex systems. And that was like the pinnacle of my skill as a nymph fisherman. <laughs> and no fish <laughs> eats because there wasn't a fish there and nobody ever knows about it, right? Like, so I just think it's hard <laughs> to judge. It's hard to judge our skill on these things because there isn't always a fish there to say reward it. And it also is what's yeah. confusing part of the conversation because you may catch more fish nymphing and most people will look at that and say, well, that's easier. You know, of course you catch mm-hmm. more fish. That's easier. Right. But yeah. that doesn't mean it's easier. It really doesn't mean it's easier. It means that you're catching more fish because more fish are eating nymphs more often. But to fish that, what you're saying and the point that you're making, Dom, is that, and I think that we all agree with, at least I do, is that it is harder to achieve a perfect drift in the complexity of variables that exist for the tight line nymphing system than it is to achieve that same dead drift given the same conditions with a dry fly. Yeah, I think people are confusing the argument and saying it's harder to catch fish on dries because fish don't rise as much. And there so there, therefore, it is harder. It sure is, too. You know, it, it's harder to catch fish because every every day of the year, I could probably find a stream and catch a fish on a nymph. Mm. Every day of the year, I probably can't do that on a dry just because, the you know, the water volume is high the it's very cold there's nothing for the fish to even look up and so you know statistically speaking it's harder to catch the fish on the dry but the cast and presentation piece of it with dry fly fishing is a little bit easier Mm -hmm. yeah a little (laughs) yeah i like how you just said a little there are (laughs) yeah well i've thought about it this way off or i've put it this way often enough i think dry fly casting seems more difficult and it probably is more difficult at first especially than a nymph cast because like you said bill you can really shorten up a nymph cast you could stand in a riffle and kind of just you know lob it forward almost boy i hate that word lob but you can roll it forward you know and get yourself a real short 15 20 foot drift pull it out put it right back in okay so you can keep the casting of nymphing very simple easier it's And even if you stay close with a dry fly, actually, if you stay too close with a dry fly and you have no fly line out there and then your fly line, your fly cast doesn't work so well. Sometimes I, I will recommend to people, we need to actually be a little bit further back, you know, so you can use some fly line to do the work of loading the rod and all that. So I think the dry fly casting is more difficult. But I think the drifting of nymphs, especially once again, you add in the complexities of tight line nymphing. And I think the drifts are harder. The hardest thing once your fly, your dry fly lands, the hardest thing is to mend if necessary. But the hardest thing, oh, there is no one hardest thing with nymphs because once your nymph goes under the water, you still have a lot to do. The other thing with the casting is that with nymphs, oftentimes we're using more than one. And oftentimes they're at least 16 inches apart. And sure. if you've got, and again, in some of our rivers, that's the difference between two different currents. 
mm-hmm. the difference between a seam there to you know the, the oh, yeah. you, you know what I mean two different lanes and so if you are just throwing a dry fly then that dry fly is going to land in one seam with itself because there is nothing else to worry about yeah. now you do have to worry about your line and your leader and your tippet but you're not worrying about another fly landing in a different seam and having to correct that yeah so anything else guys i i do want to say i think streamer fishing is the hardest <laughs> i think it's why. harder you I love i love streamer than, fishing yeah i think it's harder no we, we weren't talking about what we love more or what's better or worse we're saying what's harder Right. I think I think streamer fishing is a little harder because you have to do that. You a streamer, you have to present it a long distance, and it requires all that line management and stripping. You don't, you don't have to present it a long di- distance. Means nothing in streamers. You don't have to. You can get yourself a series of really short drifts. You could go ahead. What else though? <laughs> do you really think streamers are harder than yeah. than nymphs? That's the that's the same reason as dry fly would be difficult. Right, right. Agreed. Do you really think, though, Dell, that the streamers are tougher than anything else? Yeah. Do you? That's the next podcast. That's next week, yeah. everybody. People that I've guided that I've like that they're decent at nymphing and mm-hmm. they can present a dry fly, I'll put a streamer and say, okay, throw it out there and strip back. And it comes down to it doesn't seem to go as well. I think that's pro- a lot of that. It's got to be because people don't spend nearly as much time doing it. Like if they were to right. put in even a little bit of the, the amount of practice that they've put in on dries or nymphs, then I imagine that that, that would change big time. Because there's so but, much yeah. forgiveness with streamers. That's the thing. No. There's so much forgiveness. How many fish do you miss on a streamer versus how many fish do you miss on a nymph? Right. Uh, yeah, it's a I mean it's a good question. I don't I don't know how many I fish miss on a nymph. Yeah. Well, we're talking again though if it's harder, we want to be careful that we don't complicate the fact I think that we catch the fewest on streamers. Yeah. I mean we acknowledge that. And but that's not the metric, right? It isn't what we catch the most fish on, it's what what's hardest. I'm not saying you yeah. aren't right necessarily either, Bill. I I'm pretty sure you've thought that through. Yeah, I thought That's it, that's yeah. neat. We've thought we should yeah. talk about that. You know, you know, the true, the I just, thing. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, the true pinnacle of the sport is streamer <laughs> fishing. <laughs> None of these Nancy boys with their, Ev- with their little whip and fly, dry flies around, you know, right. chuck the meat. Any who, anybody who wants to be anything should be trying to attain to being a great streamer fisherman. Oh, no doubt. Says Deli. Yes. Yes. Streamers as the pinnacle. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we came in with nymphs and dries, and we came out with streamers. <laughs> I was thinking about, honestly, when I was setting up the topic and I was thinking about all this, I was I thought about, you know, putting streamers in there too. I was like, oh, that's no, going to get complicated. It's good to split them apart. I think so. Yeah. But I like that, Bill. What I like best about it is I'm always just trying to improve my streamer game because I don't catch as many as I think I should on a streamer. And I like to think that there's a lot more progress that i can make and make you know have more interest in the streamers and especially more conversions like you just said like we miss fish on streamers it's not always our fault but yeah i know a lot of times it is my fault i just know i can get a lot better and when you say something like that it makes me think like oh yeah i'm probably missing a lot of complexities i don't know when you dig into everything it's all Mm going to have so many different layers yeah streamers you have different lines to fish with it sink tip mono 
you know, full sync. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of complexities come there where, you know, dry fly is just one line. It's a floating line or a double taper. Well, what really complicates the game, I think, is all of the different presentations that they'll take on a streamer. And for the most part, and we just said this last week, they on a, on a dry fly, they want it dead drifted. Okay, you can come off of that. Same thing with the nymph. They really want it on a dead drift. And yes, plenty of times you can come off of that and hop it. And the things we were talking about last week. And yet with a streamer, man, they'll be able to see it so many different yeah. ways. But See how many each of those ways, yeah, each of those ways, yeah, they have well many different angles and speeds and depths and little nuances, and it's like every I call them different streamer presentations. The head flip being one of them. Josh and I did a video a couple of weeks ago, and there are a lot of small things to that that add up to big results. And and then you could take the next streamer presentation of a speed lead or whatever people might yeah have their own names for them and whatnot, yeah. There's a lot there. See, it sounds like a soldier, soldier on streamer fishing's hardest. It's the hardest. It's the pin, it's the pinnacle. So we get to the end here, and we realize that dry flies are not the hardest, and nymphs are not the hardest. <laughs> the, if you listen to the end of the podcast, you find you find the Easter egg. Streamers, <laughs> all the meat guys are rejoicing out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro, butter. <laughs> That's great. Anything else, guys? Anything else we missed? Nope. No. Oh, another no, clean good. episode. How about that? <laughs> Matt's sitting there going, yes, you missed it. <laughs> Son of a b- There you go. Son See, it's not clean either anymore. <laughs> it's not clean in that way. <laughs> Matt's got a dirty mouth, everybody. You know how much editing I do to keep the dirtiness out of his mouth? Just a lot. So Just the belligerence. <laughs> Belligerent. <laughs> See, now I got to edit that out. <laughs> and then uh, Trevor last week spot burning, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, it's, it's bad podcast. news. It's getting sloppy. <laughs> it started right. off so good. What does it become? Well, I don't know. All right, there it is. Nymphs or dries? What's tougher? What's more difficult? Again, the most important thing is that you know what you like and you're having fun out there. What's more enjoyable for you? And what do you want to learn next? The complexities and the abundant options are what draw most of us to fly fishing in the first place. And I think it's easy to get wrapped up in one form so much that you might become closed off to the intricacies or difficulties of another form of fishing. Yes, I think good nymphing is a harder skill to learn than good dry fly fishing. But I only think that matters because an angler with excellent nymphing skills can go to any trout water at any time of the year and expect some success. I once wrote an article on Trout Pit entitled, The Nymph Angler is Sustainable. And by that, I meant that having great nymphing skills keeps you in the game for the long term, even when dry fly fishing opportunities are non-existent. In truth, the level of refinement for all these tactics is endless. The more you know, the more you realize how much you do not know. What's harder? It doesn't matter. As long as you have a curious mind and an openness to improving, fly fishing will keep you busy and enthusiastic for a long, long time. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll talk with you all next week. Josh, will you read us out? Oh, yeah. Remember, the Trout Project is a free resource for all anglers. The Trout website hosts over 900 articles with endless stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and tags, too. 
Be sure to find the Trout Bitten YouTube channel, currently featuring the Trout Bitten Tips series in collaboration with Wilds Media. These are short, useful, and unique tips for your fly fishing life. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment, because that really helps. Until next time, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water. Think dank. <laughs> yeah. And I like him all the more for it. It's awkward. Okay. Bill, we keep interrupting you. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs>